to the Detroit Joe podcast. This is a hard and uncertain time for America. Yes, democracy is in big trouble. And this is not just for some or a few. It's for all of us. Unless you're a rich, white, straight man. The rest of us, get ready. It was hard writing this introduction for this episode. It's like, where do we begin? Legal abortions are now out nationally. Some states will still be in business, but most will not. Michigan still has a chance. Now, many people will say, that issue does not concern me. I'm here to tell you it does. This is not just about an unwanted pregnancy, but who has to say over women's bodies, which includes men who love women. Today, we have an expert on this topic. She will separate the facts from emotions. In order for us to know what our next actions need to be. Welcome, Carol Goss. Thank you so much for having me, Joanne. This is a really important time. It's an important time in our lives, and especially for me because I was around the first time Roe v. Wade was passed. So I marched for that, and I never thought I'd have to do it again. Yes. Could you tell us a little bit about you and what makes you an expert? Because you are one. Well, uh, thank you, Joe. So currently, I am the board chair of Planned Parenthood of Michigan. But in addition to that, I have spent my whole professional and personal career as an activist working on behalf of women and children. And I have seen it from so many different angles. And I understand that this isn't just about abortion, but it is about rights. And Black and brown women, as they suffer so much in other areas, they're going to suffer the most with this. You know, when I think about what Black people are faced in this country, Um, the things that they're up against in housing, in health care, in child care, in education, it's not accidental that we're always at the bottom. I think it's intentional. So the issues that we're faced with, with the ending of Roe v. Wade nationally, it will hurt us black and brown people, more than anyone else. And we can't let that stand. We just can't. I heard today that 60% of abortions are from white women. They get them more than we get. But what a lot of people think, well, it's just about abortions. And if you don't do this, you don't do that. But they don't know everything that is tied up in this anti-abortion bill. Could you tell us some of the things that are that are connected to it? Yes. So Roe v. Wade is really about the right to privacy 
and about autonomy and control and your ability to make your own decision. When it was first decided, it was decided with the 14th Amendment, which holds all kinds of things to be sacred rights, the right to marry who you choose. All of these things are involved in that. But more than that, Roe v. Wade is about abortion, but reproductive health is more than just abortion. Abortion is just one piece of a continuum of health care that is so important to the healthy viability of women and healthy babies. So I always look at this because when I grew up, parents didn't talk to you about sexual health. They didn't talk to you about your body. Now, I know that was a long time ago, but this is what led to often unplanned pregnancies before you were ready, before you were even able to care for a child. So now we're saying that birth control, that might be the next to go. Same-sex marriage might be the next to go. This is about individual rights that we have held as our rights and beliefs in the Constitution. We've held this. We've known that we've been entitled to it. There have been many, many Supreme Court cases. Those have gone away. And let me just say to you, Joe, abortion in and of itself will not go away. What goes away is safe, healthy, legal abortion. Because women will do things that put their lives and the lives of their children or child at risk if they do not want to have a child at that time, if they're faced with an unplanned pregnancy. And let me add one more thing, because I've been listening to the laws that are being passed in other states that have no exceptions or few exceptions. If an 11-year-old child is raped by a member of her family and becomes pregnant, in those states, that 11-year-old cannot get a legal abortion. To me, that is unfair. That's unjust that this child had no say in what happened to her. Even a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old, they are not ready to be parents. So all I have to say is that this getting, doing away with Roe v. Wade nationally has really set us on a course in our country that has taken away rights that are inalienable ours. If they get rid of birth control, meaning that you will have to pay the full price, a lot of women will not have the money for it. I remember when I was in college and I had this fantastic doctor, Dr. Crockett Jones, went to her in my senior year and she said to me, uh, what type of birth control are you on, Joanne? I said, I'm not on any birth control because I'm not sexually active. And she looked at me and she says, you're not leaving here until you 
are on something because you're not going to ruin your life. (laughs) When you have a baby before you want one, you can ruin your whole life. I have seen cases of, and people do not realize this, girls that are 10 and 11 get pregnant. Yes. Sometimes it's a member of their family. Yes. They are victims of um, of rape. That is traumatic. I'm old enough to remember illegal abortions. Yeah. And I watched the trauma that the women went through afterwards. It's not an easy decision. It isn't like a woman says, well, I'll just go and I'll just get this abortion. There's a lot of pain for the person who lives with a person that's had a abortion. There is a lot of pain. Yes. And this whole thing of I've heard women say, well, I have the money and I can just pay someone. In other words, what they're saying is that they can go underground. The average woman doesn't have access to the underground and the underground isn't cheap. That's exactly right. Those are business people. Right. And they sometimes work above ground, too. So it's not like they're going to say, well, I feel sorry for you and I'm going to give you a cheap abortion. Oh, no. And it's not any payment plan. (laughs) Right. You know, and, and these are the things that women need to consider. So if you can't afford the birth control pills, which if you had to buy them, Maybe they're now maybe $30, $40 a month. A lot of people don't have that. Yes. Especially the young girls. You know, so I think you're right that planning, reproductive health planning, is going to go way, way underground for young people, for people in college. For people who just want to delay starting a family, but they don't have the resources to support that, to even, you know, find a doctor who would give them counsel and then make sure that they're on the right kind of birth control medicine. So we have to realistically say, okay, the healthcare system already is not openly friendly and accessible to people of color. Correct. Mm -hmm. So we are the last ones to get the best health care in a timely manner. And if we don't have insurance, we probably are not getting it at all. So picture that there are going to be women who just don't have anywhere to go just don't have any resources. And so Planned Parenthood is a resource. We have to make sure that it remains open and viable and accessible to all women, that clinics can see them. If you don't have money or insurance, you can go to Planned Parenthood. If you can't afford it, you still will be seen and served. Now, I worry the most because I think that the whole decision by the Supreme Court is confusing to people. So they don't know, like, well, can I still get an abortion in my state? 
Can I still get birth control, health care? I mean, if I think I'm pregnant, who should I go to? It's very confusing. So I am suggesting that people call a Planned Parenthood Center and talk to someone. There's also a national hotline that people can get information. And right now, Michigan is what they are calling a haven state. And the reason we are a haven state now is because Planned Parenthood filed a lawsuit to block the old 1931 law that banned abortion in Michigan. And a judge in Michigan issued an injunction against that law going into effect. So right now, abortion is legal in Michigan. But you still need to find a clinic that's close to you. You still need to go in for counseling. No one is forced to have an abortion. Everyone who comes in gets counseling. You make an informed decision about your choice. That's what's being taken away from us, is the right to choose. And you may decide, I don't want to have an abortion. I'm just going to have a baby. Maybe I'll consider something else. That's your choice. But don't take away my choice, my ability to do that. So I heard this woman in Mississippi, who, by the way, has very high maternal death, very high infant mortality, poor educational systems for their children, poor health care for their children. Okay, so I hear this woman in Mississippi who is a right-to-life supporter, and she says, I want women who are pregnant and are thinking about abortion to come to us. If you come to us, we will help you. We will provide resources for you. We will help you if you want to place a child for adoption or if you just need support. Now, in Mississippi, they're not even taking care of the children that are there. They have the worst indicators of good health in the whole country. And so I'm wondering to myself, I'm listening to her, and I'm saying, how are you now going to just start saying you're going to take care of women that are pregnant and help families with children after they're born? How are you going to do that? How is that going to happen? It's not. It really is not. Anytime you have a country such as ours that we have to pass a bill to feed children, yeah, that tells you something right there. You're not going to feed them. Anytime we look at our educational system and we see that the suburban schools have so much more than what the urban schools do. That's right. And you're talking about you're going to raise children when that the system is already overflowing. Right. So we know that that is a lie. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But this this is the narrative that they're trying to spin. It is. So our next question is, what do we, everyday folks, men, women, those that are queer, What should be our next step? 
So, in addition to raising your voice and making yourself heard, we must vote. So, we're in this position because people that are holding elective office are far-right conservatives and white men, and they are making these decisions for us. So we must vote. Now, we are in the process, a very diverse group, ACLU, Planned Parenthood, and many others, there will be a ballot initiative in November. So the signatures, they're gathering signatures now, They will be submitted July 12th to be on the ballot in November. That would guarantee that the Constitution would guarantee in Michigan the rights of women to have bodily autonomy. And so that will be on the ballot. But if we don't vote, if we don't go to the polls, the first step is that we could change the state legislature just by voting in Democratic people who believe in a woman's right to choose. We could change this, but we don't go to the polls. We have to go to the polls in August in the primary. It's important who we elect. And then in November, that is the first thing that we have to do. I can't emphasize that. And that's how we got in this trouble. It is. We had been voting, as we say, from the bottom up. Yes. Looking at your state house. Yes. Yes. We wouldn't be in this situation. Right. The Republican Party has been working on this probably for 20 years, 30 years. Yes. And they made their last final move. And I shouldn't say last because they got some more things for us if we do not vote. So it's not going to be good enough for one person to vote. Make sure everybody in your household and your neighborhood understand from the bottom up. Exactly. So, you know, I had a conversation recently with um, Reverend Wendell Anthony, the NAACP, and I said, I'm not able to do door knocking anymore. And he said, yes, but you can call. He said, you can do phone banks. You can do postcards. We can remind people. We can get involved to make sure that people vote. It is going to be the election of our lives. And if we don't vote, we are just saying that whatever you do, and they coming for us. Yes, sir. They are coming for us we'll say it's just okay. So we cannot do that. We can't let them win. We can't stop fighting. They've already said that they're looking at separate but equal. Yes, that's right. Brown versus the Board of Education. Yes. Uh, They're looking at same-sex marriage. Exactly. So that's quite a few of us. So women, period, whether they're Republicans Whether they are Democrats, this concerns all women. But I'll tell you, listening to that, the news today, they showed some ignorant women. Well, I don't know if you heard this. They've been showing it a lot today. 
this Republican woman, a white woman, endorsed by Trump in Illinois. There was a rally and she stepped up to speak and to make a comment about the Supreme Court decision. Here's what she said. I want to thank you, President Trump, for helping us to get to the right decision to support white life. Now, her team has been backing away, saying she misspoke, that she read the, you know, the notes wrong. She meant to say right to life, but she said what she meant. She did. And I'm just saying, if they can come for one of us, they are coming for all of us. For all of us. Yes, they are. And we have to remember this, too, that just because they look like you, that don't mean that they're for you. And Clarence Thomas, there's not enough things to say about him. He will make you have less than Christian thoughts. When he was sick, I said, God, forgive me, forgive me, take it away, take it away. I don't want to say it and I don't want to think it. But this is a man who's willing to ruin his own people. Perfect example of self-hate. Yes. Something that Malcolm X would talk about all of the time. Exactly. And so you wonder why. I mean, I, I don't know that I really understand it. I don't know what could have happened in his life to cause him to have the kinds of thoughts and opinions that are so negative about his own people. I can't imagine that you grow up and you become an adult and you have that much self-hate. But for many years, he was totally silent on the Supreme Court. He didn't say anything and he didn't write an opinion. And now, because the environment has changed and shifted and become so to the right, a lot of fascist things that have come into our environment and culture, he now is speaking up and speaking out on things that will do harm. And it's, it's sad. You know, it's very interesting. He spoke about everything about what shouldn't be except for interracial marriage. Yes. So I wonder, do you think he will? I don't think he will say that. He, no, because he's got a white wife, but maybe he sees himself white. As um, Dick Gregory said once, he said, sisters, I blame you. Right. <laughs> he said, the next time when you, a little ugly boy comes up to you, <laughs> Try and be nice to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's that's probably probably true. If you would be nice to him, they wouldn't go after maybe white women. This man is unbelievable, and he's not by himself. There are many that feel the same way. Exactly. I look at the Senate, and I look at all these old white men, and I say, hmm, I bet. Together, they have aborted a whole school of children. 
You know, they got wives, they've got mistresses, they've got girlfriends, they've got daughters. And you can't tell me they haven't been paying out for abortions. But yet they make, but, but yet they, you know, come down hard. See, that's what I mean. They are making decisions that affect your life. And that's because we've allowed them to be elected. So we have the power to change that. If we exercise, if we vote, if we raise our voices, if we get out on the street, I'm glad to see young people out there marching. I am too. I really am because it's not going to be a safe place for any of us until it is a safe place for all of us. So I just, um, when that decision was announced on Friday, all I could do was say, Lord, have mercy. Yeah, I became numb. I, I said, I knew that this was coming, but yet I wasn't ready for it. That's right. I, I was just hoping that somehow something would change because who could be so cruel? That's right. And who could be so unfair? I mean, it's not just. So, you know, I founded this group called Warrior Women Against Poverty. And these are women who are the most vulnerable women because they've been homeless and had very little support and they don't have a network of people that they can call on to help them when they have a crisis. And most of them have a lot of children. So I was mentoring this young woman. She's 23, and she had three children. And we had a lot of conversations about uh, reproductive health, about birth control. I even drove her to Planned Parenthood to have a conversation, just really trying to support her to think about, look, you're 23, you have three children already. What would it mean if you had another child? She got pregnant again and had this fourth child. And I said, what happened when you went to Planned Parenthood? You know, what were your offerings? What were your choices? What? And she said, I knew and understood everything they were saying, but I couldn't bring myself to get the contraceptives. So I said, do you want to continue to have more children then? You have four. You don't have a job. You know, you're living right on the edge. What are you thinking that you might, what's going to happen? What are you going to do? She's in an abusive relationship with this guy. Mm. This, and she said, I'm going to go back and have another conversation with them. I think I'm ready. That's good. At least she didn't give up. She did not. But the thing that I thought about was, what if there was nowhere for her to go? I mean, there was a time when there were no resources or places you could go to have a conversation about birth control or abortion or anything. There just wasn't. It wasn't available. And especially if you didn't have money. Right. If you were poor and if you were Black, in this, I mean, you just weren't, you didn't have access. So we are fighting really 
Joe, to just make sure that that does not go away for women who are our most vulnerable women, who are often without a network of support of any kind. They don't have a lot of things. And this is just one more thing that they would not. I never thought about that, that who would they go to? Right. And they would have no one. Right. I was fortunate enough that I had a good doctor, but going to college, there was usually someone there. You had a clinic. Right. You had friends that were kind of looking over you. Right. So you could have a conversation. But if there's no one there, you don't know what that your options are. That's right. And I go back far enough to where women would use coat hangers to end an unwanted pregnancy because they didn't want to go through with it. And abortion was illegal. And that's painful. So women were willing to go yes. through pain, whereas now you really don't have to go through a lot of pain. No. You know, you have a doctor that has the procedure or you take the, you know, pill, you know, but a coat hanger. A coat hanger. And that's what they used to do. Yes. And we don't want to go back. And Planned Parenthood takes care of a lot of health issues. It does. It does. So we want to make sure that everyone understands that abortion is health care, but it's not the only thing that Planned Parenthood does, that women can come there for primary care. They can get a breast exam or a mammogram. They can get an examination for STDs, for other kinds of reproductive health pieces. And some families go there. A husband and a wife could be seen there. So abortion is one piece. And what we are trying to do is remove the stigma. It should be seen as just a healthcare service that's available with counseling, with support to women who choose that. Well, hopefully um, people will realize that. I know as a survivor of breast cancer that a mammogram is something that you can get yes. at family planning. And for everyone who is listening, ladies, you need a mammogram yearly. I don't care what your doctor says. You need one yearly. Well, Carol, thank you for being here. You're welcome. You have given us some ideas and some knowledge. One thing is for certain, we cannot sit on our hands now. No. Because after this, there's a whole lot coming down. Yes, that's right. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And now for my two cents. Let's get real for real. We need to get our butts out and vote correct. What does that mean? Vote in all elections and everything on the ballot from the bottom up. Vote in all local, state, and national elections. Don't allow one to pass you up. To make it easy, do not vote for any Republicans which includes one that looks like you. Do I need to mention Clarence Thomas is a Republican? 
one can still be black, brown, and queer and still be a sellout. Some of you are Republicans and say you believe in a democracy. Don't vote for Republicans either. This election is about more than one's title. It's about freedom. That's just my two cents. This is Detroit Joe signing off. And whatever you do, walk in love and peace.